Today's podcast, we are talking to Maruk Kwaja, who is a dentist, but also a mindfulness teacher. Um, she has plenty more to say about that. So uh, Maruk, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. So yes, I'm a dentist, probably um, with quite an unusual background. So I qualified about 12 years ago. And after my experience of burnout and depression back in 2015, I started really delving into um, well-being in a way that I hadn't prior to that. So, you know, prior to my experiences, I hadn't really focused on my own wellness, um, stress management, things like that, probably like most of us. And after delving into the well-being intervention research for healthcare professionals, I got really intrigued by so like the fact that there is so much evidence to support or growing evidence to support that psychological interventions can make a big difference. And that felt like an obvious gap within dentistry um, currently and even within healthcare. There's such a focus on crisis point. So, you know, within dentistry, as you know, we've got things you know support systems um charities that can help us we can refer ourselves for cbt at crisis point there's so many of of those organizations now but there isn't a focus early on in our careers or even any preventative well-being education psychoeducation that could be really useful um for us to learn both at like undergraduate level but also postgrad and so that really led to me upskilling so i'm a positive psychologist. I completed a master's in positive, applied positive psych, and I've also got a BSc in psych. So I've had a psych background and interest. And I thought what'd be great is to combine positive psychology with mindfulness and neuroscience and bring evidence-based approaches to wellbeing education. And that just felt like an obvious void and a way that we can really hopefully like shift the stats but coming at it in a totally different way so instead of focusing on just like reducing burnout um to also and equally as importantly to get you know dental professionals feeling happier and thriving and improving their quality of life and as a positive psychologist that's what I'm really keen to do so what I've been doing since 2019 is helping through workshops and programs through creating products. Um, I have, I started actually team training um, and then with the pandemic that got shifted to mostly working uh, B2B. So it's mostly directly with dental organizations um, uh, through putting on, you know, different educational services and things like that. Although I do, do coaching um, as well. So there are some th- some ways where I, I directly kind of connect with dental professionals that way. But on the whole, it's mostly working directly with the businesses um, to, to help support dental professionals. So yeah, it's been a really, really great journey. And for me, I'm most passionate about prevention. And like I said, bringing Bringing engaging well-being interventions that have some science base to it is just so crucial and important. Wow, that's quite a lot to cover. Um, I mean, it, it, it's an it's an interesting topic. It's a very hot topic in every uh, business sector, I think, at the moment. 
Do you feel that the dental profession suffers more from mental health challenges than other industries or are they kind of specific, are there some that are specific to dentistry, do you think? I think a lot of organisations are and, and niches are struggling with well-being, but the diff main kind of difference is that when you're working with patients, so, you know, if we can widen it out to healthcare as well. So if when you're working directly with patients, you're more likely to experience things like burnout and compassion fatigue. It's actually an occupational hazard because we're working that closely with, with patients, um, caregiver fatigue, that kind of thing. So, you know, those are the immediate um, differences. With dentistry specifically, we know that it's got long-standing um you know, poor mental health outcomes, high stresses. We know this from the research and there's been a decade long um, amount of research, you know, it started in the 80s where there was a big focus on, on this. Um, so there has been a growing interest in um, exploring the prevalence of burnout, but also, uh, and things like suicide, uh, depression, anxiety. But what's exciting now is that it's it's beginning to become more focused around prevention what we can do solution wise if we look at medics they're a little bit more ahead because probably funding like there is they've just got more research in this area but we can learn lessons from them but yes it's not just impacting dental professionals for sure but with us being so patient focused, obviously it comes with different stresses and we've got, you know, the fear of litigation, we've got high regulation, we've got um, patient factors, you know, patients that are, um, that can be aggressive or anxious uh, or just, you know, very clinical, um, high, high clinical needs that m might be complex that make it more, that can make it quite challenging um, working and also, some dental professionals or a lot of us you know working in small practices might feel isolated isolated and you've got like loneliness impacting it which would be different from which might be similar to a gp but would be different from like a hospital um doctor so you know talking to my medic um colleagues um, my my brother's a consultant and there is this great uh, sense of like teamwork and you don't feel as targeted in terms of litigation so it's just completely different when it comes to patient complaint management um, and the anxiety you might have so yeah there, you know every even amongst healthcare it's more nuanced than that but I think there are some similarities um, and you know the this is a growing, things like burnout are growing concern, you know, all around. Um, it's just when you're working with patients, it um, becomes obviously more problematic in that, you know, you've got professionals leaving or coming into work and they shouldn't be, um, and the impact on clinical care. Uh, so you've got that aspect. And if you think of burnout in its scientific way, so um, burnout, the, the common definition is the WHO one, which is chronic workplace stress. Um, that's, you know, that you haven't been able to meet the demands of. 
like the scientific definition. So as a psychologist, we might be thinking, what are the characteristics of burnout? Um, and it's three parts. You've got high levels of emotional exhaustion. You've got low levels of accomplishment. So you don't really feel like you're making much of a difference when it comes to patient care. And the third aspect is high levels of depersonalization. So this is when you don't feel like empathy towards patients and you feel almost like this um, distance from others, um, disengagement from your colleagues and your patients. Is this compassion fatigue, as you said? No, it? no, 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 this is burnout. Like most people don't understand what burnout is. Mm. So this, this is just purely the definition of burnout. So um, if we look at Maslach, who um, defined burnout and those three characteristics, that's the probably the most accurate way of you thinking about burnout because it really nicely conveys the signs and symptoms so that's burnout compassion fatigue is an extension of burnout so it's often when we are when we experience um like a compassionate care challenge um for example with um our patients you know they might really our, our pediatric patients they might really need sedation but we know that the waiting lists are really long and we take on the suffering of our patient and that kid and we really feel that that's um that's basically compassion fatigue and um, so it's an extension of burnout with compassion fatigue the, the, the key difference is you can't you commonly have symptoms of ptsd like symptoms so it's not just your um deeply cynical thoughts towards work your loss of empathy, your high levels of exhaust emotional exhaustion, you've also got this um, constant like feeling on edge and um, feeling, you know, those common like PTSD symptoms of feeling like um, you can't relax. And so it's something that is further on from burnout. Okay. Um I mean, you, you talk a lot about symptoms and, and I guess as an individual, you know, when you're feeling those symptoms. But um, can you identify these mental health challenges in others that you work with? And, and actually, what should you do if you do? Yeah, absolutely. There is a great course called the Mental Health First Aid course, which runs um, a couple of days um, and you can do it over evenings or the weekend and that's a great one to start off with and actually what be what um, is recommended is having the team trained on this but ultimately it teaches you what the early signs of poor mental health might look like and so how you can identify that amongst your peers so it might be you know changes in appetite in that person they might be eating more or eating less or they might be um, sleeping more, having um, difficulties with sleeping, they might look different. So they might look, you know, more scruffy or um, just not put together. They might not be putting effort into those things at which they would normally do. So it's, it's thinking, are they reacting in a way that is different to their norm? And recognizing that. So, you know, it could be changes in mood that you notice. You might notice things like withdrawal. Um, you might notice that they're angrier. Uh, so some people lash out and get more aggressive or annoyed. You know, you can pick up on changes in mood and changes in appearance um, and start having those conversations. But with that mental health first aid course, 
it's very much about um, identifying and then learning how to speak to someone. So it's not about giving advice to someone at that moment. It's more how do you create psychological safety and openness and just be there for that person. So look, I'm like I'm, I'm noticing that you're not you. It doesn't look like you're you're um, your normal self. Like how how are things going for you? How can I support you? Is there anything you want me to do? Should I take something off your plate? Like what can I do? Just encourage them to open up, um, rather than you know use um, rather than like immediately go for that advice which you might be keen to do. And then when you get someone's trust to explore options, like, do you want me to help you uh, speak to your GP? Do you want me, do you want the number for confidential? Do you want, you know, what what can I do to support you? Um, mm. And then you signpost to the relevant people. Um, but that that's the thing with mental illness and how you can identify that. So mm. the mental health first aid course is actually really, really good for them. Okay. Um, and you developed a mind flossing toolkit, um, which sounds like it might be to do with mental health. Um, how, do, how does that work and who's that for? Yeah, so back in was it 2021 now, I launched a mindfulness toolkit. So like I was saying, I've been very interested in the research and what that's identified is that there's certain psychological interventions. So that's mindfulness based ones cognitive behavioral therapy so that's centered around thought management and positive psychology intervention so I thought what would be really nice is to um, hone in on on creating something that drew upon those things um, which is how I um, thought about creating the, the toolkit so it's essentially a deck of cards um, 56 cards with prompts and activities so you can take a card and explore it um, either like with the team or you know just yourself um, and there's all sorts of activities so although it's under the umbrella of mindfulness and self-compassion practices um, and there are meditations there there are lots of activities so nature activities journaling activities um, activities on strengths like loads of different cool things that you can do so it gives you basically a very active way that you can um, take an take that approach when it comes to your sense of well-being um i'm just revamping version one so version two will be launched then um properly i think in november and i've got qr codes now that link directly to my meditation audios and we've got a change in the books and there are 11 categories so it's going to be really cool to like bring that out into the world shortly as well. Wow. Um, is there a role in dentistry that suffers more than all the others from mental health issues? So just purely looking at the research, there is a lot of um, interest in looking at, or there's, there's a growing interest in looking at the different types of dental professionals. Um, but it's not there hasn't been as as much emphasis on it as perhaps there could be. Um, but from from the research, we know that certain um, certain types of dental professionals. So if you're working in the NHS compared to private, 
you're more likely to experience mental health concerns and frustrations, probably because if you're working privately, you might have more autonomy when it comes to time, or maybe you're doing things that you're more excited about, or maybe you've got mastery over your skills at that point, and you're providing that treatment. So that could be a reason. We know that if you're working um, in special care, um, you're working with you know, high demands, patients with compassionate care problems that can be quite challenging so anyone working in the community might be experiencing things like compassion fatigue mm-hmm. um so there might be more um of that going on which makes sense because you know your your patients are slightly different um, in terms of who you're seeing so yeah that that's the basic that's the roundup of the research currently um but i, I think probably the the key is that you know we know that this is impacting the profession and we just need to spend I think more time in the research focusing on what we can do about it and there's so many different interventions one can do um, and develop and more than that like let's bring the applications into practice life and into um, corporates and into organizations I think that's what we need to do and I think from my um, from my lens as a practitioner, like that's kind of what I'm excited about. Um, mm. I like to draw from what I'm reading, but like we've got to apply it. Um, and this is where like things like the mindful nursing toolkit. Um, I've been using that with the NHS um, with Midlands just recently. Just started a pilot resilience program for the like 180 FDs and we're using this and the book to train the trainers but also give the fds a intervention right um and explore in terms of like their sense of well-being their mindfulness levels self-compassion um, and their mental health all these different factors and see how that could improve it um but yeah it, it's it is really nice to be able to create and design programs and tools that could be of use and of course it's not the whole answer because it's so multifactorial but it certainly can help and I think we need to move towards supporting our clinicians in a more active way and you know that's where organizations could really take a bit more responsibility and say yeah this isn't just a a people problem um it's not just you know like you know my dental professionals need to um, learn these skills it's more like how can we make a happier workforce um, and I'm gonna we're gonna take responsibility for that and we're gonna do something so I'm really excited to see that happening more and more um, mm. what I'd love to see is more principals doing that so even on a team practice level we can do things so um, and there are recommendations for us wow um in in all of the in all of your research and in all of the work you you have been doing, what is the most common mental health challenge facing uh, people working in dentistry? So the most common ones are anxiety, um, fear, worry. More recently, there'll be financial worry and burnout, depression. So those are the most common challenges. Stress, obviously is a big one as well mm. well i mean it, you know it, it, it kind of the, the points you make tell a kind of very a story of a very challenging industry to work in 
um kind of emotionally mentally physically um you know it's it, it it's a tough job that you all have to do would you think that's a fair thing to say yeah i think it's a weird job to be working in to be honest like if you think about the amount of knowledge we have and as a dental professional where we've got patients back to back like a gp then when the patient comes in we recline the chair and we're behind them have like asking them a billion questions um and we've got a series of things we need to get through in terms of like you know how to avoid litigation and to obviously help a patient get to a, a diagnosis and do something in that short period of time so happiness has not been factored into that equation so if you wanted to create a happier like work pattern then you have to be quite proactive in doing that and it might be that you're blocking part of your day for certain things you might be zoning part of your day for certain treatments you might be more active in talking to your patients and building their rapport but it's quite easy if you've got a list of patients particularly working in the NHS and you've got high targets that look I've just got to get through all of these patients and if you're thinking about it as well we're constantly dealing with problem after problem and trying to resolve that problem right that can be quite draining so if you're not checking in with yourself after every patient um, and just making sure that you're emotionally okay and you're supporting yourself then it can be quite easy to become overwhelmed the system is not necessarily set up for happiness in mind and quality of life and that's like I said that's I think where teams can make a difference principles can make a difference and you know you being proactive and designing a different kind of career for you where you can still see patients but you can enjoy what you're doing yeah well okay um we're running out of time here so I'm going to ask you three questions um you, you mentioned your book. Can you tell us a bit about that and what people can learn from that? Yeah, so back in 2020, I got a contract with Wiley Blackwell to create a book on well-being. And um, initially, I proposed a workbook and they wanted something bigger. So that's what we kind of designed for them. And the book was released this year. It's called Resilience and Wellbeing for Dental Professionals. It's the first ever book on mental health which is mad um but it, yeah it's evidence-based approach to well-being it's very much um bite-size information all around psych and positive psych um and then worksheets and activities that you can do um that can help infuse that insight into your daily life both with patients and at home so it's really practical it goes through um, all aspects of well-being so like I said it's not just about burnout prevention we're talking about how to be happier at work um, quality of life work-life harmony creating habits um, that stick we're talking about lifestyle medicine um, positive health components um, yeah all of these things and, and mindset and more um, we talk about meaning understanding your values so it's a really in-depth look into well-being which is really cool wow um, and where can people get this book so the book is on amazon you can also order it off my website um so yeah it's it's widely available actually in loads of places um so if you just search the book it will come up wow um Okay, and so two quick fire questions now. Yeah. Um, based on based on your experience, 
first one is uh, yeah, a piece of advice that you can give to everybody working in dentistry. What is the one thing that every dental professional should do every day to help them in their daily lives? I think the first, the most important aspect, I think, is just taking a moment out of your busy day to check in with yourself. So that might be through taking a deep breath and asking yourself, you know, how am I feeling? How's my body feeling? Like, what's going on for me? Do I, how can I support myself better? So just having a ritual where you're checking in and you're doing that multiple parts of your day is going to be really, really transformational. Okay. Um, and the final question is, um, you know, it's great that you're giving advice to people, but what's the best advice you've ever been given? The best advice I've been given is to focus on my inner voice and really kind of trust what it's saying. I think that's really important because sometimes, you know, we work in different dental environments and we come across you know different principles and we might have this gut reaction of oh I don't know maybe like I'm not a good fit here I think it's important to go with your intuition because sometimes that can be really strong and um, we can sense something before it's rational to think it so going with our gut and I think it's also another aspect um, which I've been told often, which is really hard to do when you're younger, is that if you don't like where you're you're working, you don't have to stay. Um, you know, find a practice that's supportive and kind, and um, one that you can thrive at, and you don't need to stay in a job that is just not serving you. It's not a positive work culture. So, you know, do, do do your best to see if you can change that in your current practice. But if you can't, like, go elsewhere and that's absolutely fine. So important to prioritise your own wellness um, rather than feel like you need to stay somewhere. Mm. Wow. That, that's, um, you know, that's very profound, very insightful. Yeah, personally, I wish I'd left some few jobs quite a lot quicker than I did. Um, that's been really helpful. Thank you so much, Maru, for taking the time to talk to us. I think it's a very um, interesting perspective that you have on the, the, the dental profession, but also what needs to be done and what people can do to help themselves and also those around them. So we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been really great to speak to you. Thank you.